Let us join our hearts in the confession of sin. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand, to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and for our salvation. O come, let us worship Him. Let us kneel and bow down before Him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Lift up your hearts with comfort and joy. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace and for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise.
Our scripture reading for this evening comes to us from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. And uh, just to set the context here, uh, the king of the Arameans, uh, a nation to the northeast of the Israelites, uh, had gone to war with them. This would be the country that would be up to the east of the Sea of Galilee, kind of up on higher land. And uh, now was establishing a large army to send to uh, conquer the Israelites. The king of the Arameans sent horses and chariots and a great army to Israel, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Back in 1937, there was a 16-year-old young man who was planning to come to attend here on campus at Bethany High School. Bethany used to have a high school. And he was a tall, lanky soul and uh, kind of athletic, very academic. And that summer beforehand, in order to help raise money to pay for coming to Bethany High School, he went to work on the farm of his grandparents, which was up in northern Wisconsin. And while he was there that summer, he was called upon to help with a good old-fashioned barn raising, when people from, you've probably seen this in Amish communities, where people would all get together and go help build somebody a barn over a weekend. And uh, while he was there at this barn raising, there was another young man his exact same age that was with him. And uh, the two of them, their job was down in the middle part of the construction to hold this enormous beam in the middle and to hold it steady while other men were working way up high in the rafters and trying to affix to all of this another very, very large beam. Suddenly that beam cut loose and came flying down, and it came so close to this young man that it grazed his shoulder. didn't actually hurt him, but he could feel it against his arm as it came down. But the young man standing right next to him was completely crushed by this beam, and his life came to an end in just that second. And not long after that, this young man I'm talking about, who survived, um, came to this campus to study. And he said that incident in his life, that incident uh, really made him look at his life rather differently. And he always wondered, why did God spare me and take the life of my friend? Why did his life come to an end at age 16 and this man did not? He went on to study for the public ministry, became a pastor, came back and became a professor here at this campus in both the college and the seminary, was actually at one time the president of the church body that owns Bethany Lutheran College, 
He lived to be 87 years old. He and his wife had nine children, and they had plenty of grandchildren. So the Lord sparing his life that day permitted him to go on and have a very long and fulfilling life here on earth. He was probably in his early 80s when he told me this story. <clears throat> and I remember him talking that day about angels. And wouldn't it be interesting, he said, if we were able to see exactly how God guided things that day so that his life would be spared. The text that I just read to you from the Old Testament, from the book of 2 Kings, is a very interesting story as well where this army has come to attack the Israelites and God's prophet Elisha is there at the time. And according to the way his servant looks out at the situation, he assumes that everything is standing against them. The numbers are not in their favor. It would appear that this large army is about to crush them. And um, by the servant's perception, this was almost a suicide mission now for the, for the Israelites to try to stand up against the Arameans. And they were surrounded on every side by a superior army. But God had particularly given his promise in his word about this situation that he would provide a way out. A lot of times in our lives there may be conditions or situations where we wonder if God is really watching over us if he's really there for us and is going to actually guide us through things. Sometimes it might feel like God has abandoned us, like he's just kind of left us to be out there on our own. It even gets to the point sometimes where people wonder if God even exists at all. And we're tempted to kind of look at all of these things in our lives based upon our reason and our intellect and how we process things by our uh, our ability to measure the things that are in front of us. But God himself, through all of this, continues to give us the promises in his word, that he's watching out for us and caring for us, and that he will provide a way through all the, all the things that may appear like they would crush us in this world, that he is there to provide a way ultimately to our eternal home. And the essence of faith is to cling to that promise even when it doesn't appear to make sense to our mind and to our eyes. And when we begin leaning on our own reason and maybe our own judgment of things and our own understanding and experience, quite often that's where, we, where doubts arise. And that's quite often where we begin to push God away and may wonder if he even cares at all. So in this situation, Israel's army appears to be so small and so weak to mortal eyes. And yet God is hiding his way and his path of victory through all of this by stirring up and using the power of the angelic forces, the supernatural forces that he has not yet at this point allowed people to see. And through this miraculous event, uh, he stirs up in the spiritual realm these amazing beings that he has created to help humanity and in particular to help the members of his church of believers. Imagine if someday in heaven you and I were able to see, not that we will care by then, 
able to see and look back on almost like a movie of your life of all the ways that God used angels to spare you and me from problems and trouble. All the things that we thought were maybe just accidental or just kind of a, a happenstance of pure luck or maybe, a, um, maybe something that we felt was kind of unexplainable. From heaven's perspective, from God's perspective, he may have been utilizing the gift of his holy angels to guard and protect us from particular evils. And um, there are places where, like we see with the servant here, when he suddenly now, God permits him to see these, this angelic realm. What, a, what an amazing thing that will be. And one thing we do know for certain is when we do arrive in heaven by God's grace, God will give us the full knowledge of how his kingdom has operated in our lives and to protect us. Like I said, we aren't going to care by then. But it will be part of the reason why his church in heaven will be singing his praises and his glory all the more. Angel hosts have been created by God, his word tells us, to serve his chosen faithful in this world. And they respond to God's commands and directives to help work things out in the lives of his faithful. And there are times when he has maybe many of them, possibly thousands of them, step in, like we see here, to prevent a particular event from taking place. There also may be times when he pulls them back and pulls them away from a situation to allow evil forces to have their, have their day. But it's always with his ultimate control. You can see this in the life of Christ and in particular in Jesus' passion in the days and things surrounding him as he goes to the cross. The, the angels are there with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet, by the time that he's hanging on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had pulled back and pulled away all of the angelic forces so that the, the assault of the devil and the, punishing, the punishment for all of our sins, the just wrath of God could pour down on this one individual in time to burn God's justice on him. And the angels stepped back. God pulled them out of the scene in order to let all of this take place, to work out his will of punishing one instead of all of us, of laying all of the guilt on Christ rather than on you and on me so that God would never forsake us. God has now granted us forgiveness. But isn't it interesting, as soon as our Lord Jesus rises again from the dead on Easter Sunday, the angels are right back, aren't they? They're right there at his side. They're right there encouraging the disciples. They're right there at his ascension into heaven. And as the great proclamation of the gospel for, through the church would go out into the world, we see the presence of the angels once again. So God may at times in your life as well uh, have his angels step in, maybe in ways bigger than we ever would imagine. And yet there are times he may pull them back. But it's always with his guidance and his authority and his decision for what's going to be best for you and me on our eternal path to heaven. When we finally, by God's grace, through faith in Christ, when we finally walk through the gates of heaven, uh, our Lord Jesus on the throne will be the first one 
that we're going to want to go up and thank for now being able to, to live in the presence of the angels. But are there also going to be angels that we go and find that God will let us know, now know directly we're involved in your particular life and in sparing certain things for you in your life? May God give us hearts of faith to recognize this wonderful blessing of the angels and uh, give us also mouths that want to sing his praises for all the benefits that he gives us, both seen and unseen. Amen.
eyes. Let us pray. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair when death shall come. Abide with us and with all the faithful through time and eternity.